Welcome to the Balanced Pursuits Podcast, Episode 20, Feeling at Home in Your Body with Stephanie Jankelson. Steph is a body acceptance coach, podcast host, and writer on a mission to flip diet culture on its head. I first met Steph when I was at my nine to five, and after a couple months of kind of quietly working next to each other, we started chatting and realized that we had a lot in common. We were both building our coaching businesses at the time and would take multiple lunch breaks a week where we would just walk the trails behind our office and chat about everything personal development, building your own business, following your heart, overcoming fears. And sure enough, a year and a half later, we both found ourselves stepping away from our nine to fives and stepping in to our businesses full-time. Stephanie joins us this week to share everything that she has learned from her 10-plus years of seeking external approval, endless perfectionism, and really struggling with body image issues, exercise addiction, and disordered eating. She's turned that pain into the foundation of her business and now helps others learn how to not only feel freedom around food, exercise, and their bodies, but deeply knowing their worth through one-on-one coaching, online courses, and her podcast, Move With Radiance. In this episode, we discuss Steph's process for learning to recognize our self-worth, why she believes dieting doesn't work, how what we're ultimately chasing is a feeling and not a result. We dive into the dangers of playing the when-then game, what intuitive eating really is and what it is not, and how to start trusting your body again. So if you've ever struggled with perfectionism or seeking external approval and validation for what you're doing with your life, this episode's for you. Steph shares a lot of knowledge with us in this episode, and we hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Balanced Pursuits Podcast. I'm Jen Hudak. And I'm Christy Leskinen. Extreme sports athletes, television personalities, fire starters, and all-around badasses. Each episode, we're bringing you uplifting conversations with thought leaders in sports, business, and entertainment who've cultivated a life they love. We believe that life begins when you say goodbye to your comfort zone and face your biggest fears. Are you ready to learn how to live life confidently and realize your true potential? Let's go. It's so good to hear your voice. You too. How has Me the three. last... <laughs> There's so much to talk about, but I want to know how, your, how have the last few weeks been solo, solo life. No, I mean, that's not, she's not single. She has a lovely boyfriend, but free from the nine to five. <laughs> free from the nine to five. It's hard. I mean, of course, there's like always really good things that come along with it. But like, it's so different when you're in charge of your schedule and you're like, what do I get to do today? And what do I like, how am I going to fill my time? And then it turns into some days like all or nothing where you're like, well, kind of screwed the morning up. So I guess the rest (laughs) of the day is fucked. (laughs) So, (laughs) but but also like it's it's super fun right because then you get to pick the things that fill you up and the things that you can like sort of start ridding the things that don't and it's it's interesting and fun and scary and all the things yeah. <laughs> I've basically gone take- through every emotion <laughs> like oh, sure. every emotion you could think of I feel like when you make your own schedule, you get really good at a couple things. One of them is actually procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) And the other is like, you find the most efficient ways to get things done because you start to go, well, I really want to fit in like this adventure today. So how can I possibly get all this work done? Totally. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, 
there's, there's days where I, I'm like such a good procrastinator, but then also I'm like, same thing. Okay. I need, I know that I'm leaving at two to go mountain biking. So how can I fit all of this stuff into these hours? And then also switching from like the mentality of needing to be working from nine to five being like, Oh, actually I can do whatever I want. If I wanted to work from seven to 10 and then take the rest of the day to do something that fills up my cup, then I can do that. Or, you know, work in the second half, but it's so weird, like switching that thought process around when you've done it for so many years. Totally. So to, to back up just a second to our listeners, this is the wonderful Stephanie Dankelson and Steph and I met, uh, at our former employer (laughs) Avant link. We were both (laughs) working for the same company, which I'm pretty sure this is one of those moments where you're like, okay, we work there so that we could meet each other and have one another in each other's lives. So, but Steph is now working as a body acceptance coach and she has a podcast called Move with Radiance and she talks all things um, anti-diet culture and body acceptance and just general personal development and really taking an intuitive approach to making improvements in your life. Um, So we wanted to have her on the podcast because she has so much wisdom to offer. And she recently left Avant Link and is now getting to go to the grocery store in the middle of the day when no one is there, which is such a glorious thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The little things. So Steph, if you could, could you just share kind of your, your background and your story and what led you to doing the work you're doing today? Oh, yes. Where to start? <laughs> so I think like most people, it's, I'm finding it's more and more common for people to struggle with some sort of body image thing, right? And so for me, from what I can remember, that journey really began around seventh grade. So it's been a long time. And it was just one of those things where you know, middle school is really hard and you kind of just have this deep desire to fit in. And when you don't, or like for me, I was picked on a lot. And so that was something for me that I really, I was like, how can I be part of this group that I was being outcasted from? And I remember at the time, not being able to fit into one of my best friend's um, jeans anymore. And that's when I really started realizing like, oh, my body is changing. And looking at the other people around me, like that's when I really started noticing like other people's bodies and who was considered like cool and who wasn't. And I kind of went through that awkward phase through middle school. And then in high school, I started, you know, changing my looks and that was when I started becoming more and more accepted. And so at that point in my life, I started associating my body image with being well-liked and being accepted and being pretty and liked by the boys and all of that kind of stuff. And so I really got into the thick of all of it and became really obsessed with exercising. I was involved in cross-country and swimming and my worth not knowing this at the time, but I really placed my worth in a lot of these end results, like performing really well in sports and looking a certain way and kind of combining all of those things. And that continued through high school. And then when I got to college, it became really, really, really easy for me to do more of the restrictive behaviors and engaging in more and more exercise and really becoming obsessed with being smaller. And there's just, there's so many other things kind of intertwined with my story. And I realized like throughout all of this, there were different ways that I was, you know, numbing my emotionality so that I could, you know, just not have to deal with the hard stuff and doing that through, you know, alcohol and um, being obsessed with food and exercise and just, sort of getting so deep into all of this and with there's like people pleasing mixed in there and perfectionism and just trying to find my place in the world. And, you know, doing all of this work and sort of looking back, it was so, so clear that my worth 
was sort of placed in the external world. I let everybody else define that for me. And so I tried to conform me, my body, my life, everything into this box of what everyone else wanted me to be or what I thought everyone else wanted me to be so that I could feel accepted, so that I could fit in, whatever that was. Like There was this deep desire to belong, to be loved. And so I sort of got to this point in my life, I like to think of it as like, I don't, want to say, I don't want to say like my rock bottom or that we have to get to a rock bottom to sort of wake up, but that is part of my my story. I had moved to Boulder. I was um, living with, with a boyfriend and we broke up and I was living with him. So I had to find a new place and I just found myself drinking a lot. I found myself um, again, numbing through exercise and food. And I was just like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? What, what do I, like I was working at a job that I hated. And I was just like at this point in my life where I had no clue who I was, who I wanted to be, where I was going, what I liked. And I just decided then to look at the things that were not serving me anymore and really jump on this path to essentially finding myself. It kind of sounds cliche, but like wanting to be happy. And that was sort of the point where I really started doing my own work on personal development and understanding where, you know, like why I was doing the things I was doing, where my behaviors were being driven from. I started, you know, realizing like, oh, my self-worth and my, like whether or not I'm accepted doesn't have to be in my body image. You know, I decide those things. And you know, through coaching and personal development, all, all of this stuff, I realized like, this is actually what I want to be helping other people with. Like I have this mission to help people really, truly know their worth, really, truly know who they are at the core and like embrace, teach people how to embrace our humanness so that we can live our most expressed version of ourselves in this world. And be happy and not let our external world define that for us. And so that's sort of how I got to where I am today. You know, <laughs> I've been working a lot of nine to fives and just kind of got to this point where I was like, this is not fulfilling me at all and took the leap to make this full time. And that's kind of where I'm at today. <laughs> that's awesome. So for someone who might be stuck in this, the cycle that you were kind of explaining before where you're really basing your self-worth externally on your appearance, but also on like how other people are responding to you kind of based on the way you're living your life or, or how you look. Uh, what are some of those like first key steps to start shifting that sense of self-worth internal? Yeah. So looking at if they're if they're seeking external approval, how to start shifting it back to the internal? Right. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of different things here, but so here's here's a good place to start. If you look at your life and different areas of your life, so this can show up in a lot of different places. And for me personally, it was showing up a lot in like my work. It was showing up a lot in my relationships and it was showing up a lot in my body image. And there were just different things that I was doing to get someone's approval so that I can feel better. So if you look at different, like, so let's look at, say, work. If you're showing up to work and, and your, your main mission for the day is like, I got to prove myself. I got to make sure my boss likes me. I got to make sure this person likes me. I got to make sure this person likes me. Like you are going in feeling a lot of anxiety about whether or not people are liking you, whether or not you're proving yourself or like, like that's your main mission when you wake up for the day. It's, it's taking a step back and looking at like, okay, what is my, what am I trying to get here? And if it's like validation, if it's approval, if it's acceptance, it's it's all starting to understand like how we can start giving that to ourselves. And I kind of like to think about it as like, how can we step into almost like a mother role for ourselves? How are you talking to yourself? That is so common, like for us to look in the mirror and and say 
the most like cruelest, <laughs> horrible things that we have no problem saying to ourselves, but we would never in a million years walk up to someone and say that to them. Or if a best friend came to you and asked for some advice or asked for some help, you would never come back at them with the things that you say to yourself. So the way that I like to start with all of this is look at how you're talking to yourself. And can you step into more of a mother role or more of a best friend role and just start to note the thoughts and the things that are coming into your head? And that's when we can start deciding like, okay, if you're, if you're spewing things like, I hate you, you suck, you need to lose weight, you're fat, you, whatever all of these things are, taking a step back and saying, okay, these, instead of like shoving away those thoughts and saying, I don't need those thoughts. These are not good. Like I, I'm getting rid of them. Like essentially stepping into the mother role and starting to come at it from a place of what can I, like, how can I love you more in this moment? How can I give you that that validation, that love, that sense of acceptance without needing to prove it in our external world. And that takes, it takes time. And I think the very first step is to realize like what areas in your life you're seeking that validation from and start one step at a time. So it's hard, like don't tackle all areas at once. Pick one that's really you know, taking a lot of your, your energy. So if that is at work and you're trying to prove yourself through your work, it's, it's, it's understanding like I'm just coming in today. And as long as I show up for myself, as long as I show up and, and do the best that I can that day, that is enough. So instead of letting other people decide that for you, knowing that you can come in do your best and start realizing like, okay, that's, that's what I can do for, for today. And that's enough. And I guess I'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that, no, it's, it's super helpful. And I, like you said it really well in that, you know, we, we do these things and we don't even realize that we're doing it in with the intent of receiving external validation from a boss or a superior, we want to go in and work hard, but we don't realize that we're doing it because we want to be praised. And then the internal dialogue that we give to ourselves throughout that usually is like you're saying, like this negative thing that's trying to like shame our way into, into being motivated or something instead of just setting your goal and objective for the day and taking action toward it from a place of like self-compassion and self-acceptance where you are proud of yourself for showing up and giving yourself the validation instead of waiting for someone else to give it to you. For sure. For sure. And I think also some big pieces of this too is like we have deep down inside of us these like beliefs about ourselves that 95% of the time, if they're like a negative thing that we think about ourselves, that was adopted or picked up or, or passed down to us from someone else or society or a parent or a teacher or whatever. And we've adopted it as truth. And so a big part of this is really digging deep and uncovering the, the, the deep seated beliefs that we have about ourselves because that like that belief drives everything we do in life. And so a lot of us, you know, will look at our life and think, okay, I want to change this behavior or this result is not working for me. So we try and like shift. So this is kind of we're going off course a little bit here, but I feel like this is so important to mention. For example, like this is why dieting doesn't work. And I mean, there's so many other reasons for it too. Like I just don't believe in in dieting (laughs) for a lot of things, but someone says, I want to be smaller. I want to feel a certain way. So I'm going to diet. I'm going to manipulate my food. I'm going to manipulate my body. And we try and change all the behaviors and maybe we we reach, reach the end result that we wanted, but we still feel like crap. And it's because 
the reason why we're trying to change our body or the reason why we're trying to change our appearance is it's coming from something deeper inside of us. And so a lot of this like external validation, a lot of this external proving and trying to feel a certain way, because that's really what we're after, right? It's like a feeling. It's a specific feeling that we think all of these things are going to bring us. You know, when we get the promotion, when we, you know, get the praise from our boss, when we reach the certain body size, we're craving a feeling. But because we're not understanding why we're trying to feel that and we're not understanding where it's actually coming from, it's like we're still left feeling like, what the heck? Why am I, why do I still feel like crap? And so a lot of this is really trying to uncover like, what's that deep rooted belief that I'm holding onto that I'm living my entire life by? And it takes a minute to sort of uncover and dig back and dig back and dig back. But like something that I'm finding that a belief that I'm finding really uh, common with a lot of the clients that I work with is I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. And when we have that deep seated belief about ourselves, and we're think of, so like we have this belief of I'm not worthy. So then it's driving thoughts of, or feelings of, you know, panic or anxiety or, you know, those, those like lower vibrating um, emotions, which then drive the thoughts of like, oh, well, I need to prove something to my boss and I need to make sure I look smaller. And if, if I do this, then he'll love me more. And so then, which then drives our actions in our life, you know, our behaviors, like manipulating our body size or over hustling and exhausting ourselves at work. And it's just, it keeps happening. It keeps happening. It keeps happening until we address that belief and begin to shift it to something that's better serving you, which will then you'll start to see other things change in your life. And pretty soon you will have that desired feeling you know, mm. once you've shifted that belief, right? So, yeah. So th- is this kind of the why, like we've, we've heard about like yo-yo dieting, right? Like these people will like go on a diet and then they gain their weight back and then they go on the next diet and then they gain the weight back. Do you think that that's partly because they're not shifting that like underlying belief? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons as to like the yo-yo dieting and gaining the weight back. Like we can go into the science of all of it too. And our bodies wanting to be at a certain size and all of that. But, but yeah, like that's why I think diets got so popular because we've started, started idolizing and started making a certain body type. This, like you need to look like this in order to have all of these things. And so of course, you know, we see in the media and all of these things, a certain body type, um, being on a pedestal. And so we all think, okay, well, if I just get to this size or, you know, a lot of diets and a lot of, um, uh, exercise plans or whatever, a lot of these things will promise that end result. You'll be happier. You'll have, you know, you'll be able to do more of what you want. And so we promise all of these things that only this certain body type, you know, once you reach that, then you will have it. And so I think too, because we we want that, yes, we're still coming from that negative belief. So we reach it, we find that we're still not happy, and then it goes downhill. Or, you know, we find that it's so restrictive that it's not attainable. And so then we start, you know, going back down. And it's this constant up and down, up and down, up and down. But we're all still chasing a feeling that, again, it's all being driven from this negative belief. And so until we change that, it's, it's not like we're not going to get what it is that we're really looking for. And until we really sit down and understand like, what do I want? What's not serving me? How do I shift that? We're still going to be repeating the same cycles that aren't working over and over and over and over. I feel like you're right about the the chasing a feeling thing, because I've always kind of believed it's not how you look, it's how you feel. I know all of us probably, you know, you work out for a week straight and all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you think you look better but you look the exact same that you did a week ago when the week before that you sat in a chair all week and, and didn't get any exercise in. But also talking about kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy of your thoughts. I've had friends that have done that. They've gone up and down in weight and at times have been absolutely, I mean, they're always absolutely beautiful, but they get, they get to a weight where anybody would think like they look gorgeous, but still somewhere they're unhappy and, and they feel like, you know, that, that, that the world's working against them and they can't help themselves. And they're just always, no matter what weight they are, they're, they're 
in their minds, they're not where they're supposed to be, or they're different from other people. And it's really a a vicious cycle. Yeah, totally. And so, oh, this is good. So something that I, I work on constantly with myself, but also just with the, the women that I work with is before we do anything, before we do any work, like a lot, in a lot of the work that I do, we don't even really talk about weight because <laughs> in the end, weight and controlling our food and controlling our body and all of that is a symptom of something deeper. And so I sit down with, with them and I, I do this too on a daily basis where it's like, how do I want to be feeling? How, like what is, if I were to think of like the best version of myself I call her like our highest version or the best version or our higher self, whatever. <laughs> Just that version of you that that feels her best, that is living the life that she wants to be living, that is like fulfilling her dreams, living like what is she doing? What is she feeling on a day-to-day basis? What is it that you're after with all of this external meddling, all of this external stuff? What is it that you are trying to feel? And that's the thing with all of this is like, we have become so disconnected from our bodies. We live so much in our heads, which, you know, our brains are so intelligent and that's, you know, it's needed sometimes, but we think that our brains are smarter than our bodies. And over time, we've completely cut off communication. I think we've forgotten how to feel. And so we think we know what we want. And we think that everything in our external world is going to bring us that, whether that's a smaller body or the promotion or whatever. And so we start like meddling in our external world. We ignore everything from our internal body and all of this. And so my mission too is like, I say body acceptance, but it's really about reconnecting back into your body, learning how to feel at home in your body again, which is something I don't think a lot of us know how to do or what that means. So how can we start connecting to the feelings? in our bodies. So if your higher self, if the best version of yourself, if you're chasing freedom, if you're chasing connection, if you're chasing abundance, how can you activate that feeling in your body right now? Because that's possible. So often we we place that feeling. It's like, and I did this with my job too, right? <laughs> We've all done this where we take like the grass is greener on the other side approach and we say, I'm going to feel more freedom. I'm going to feel more connected. I'm going to feel more abundant when I achieve this body size, when I start my business, when I get that promotion. And so we place everything in the end result. And because we're not actively living in those feelings, because we're not actively doing the internal work, we get to that point and that's when we're still left feeling unfulfilled. So like visualize what does abundance feel like? And if you've never felt it before, what would it feel like? What would it feel like to have a million dollars in your bank account? You know, what would it feel like to be achieving the dream that you've been wanting to achieve? And like embody that and and make your decisions on your day-to-day with that feeling already there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I I mean, and we also, we also look at ourselves under a microscope. So we get in, in the bathroom, in the mirror, and we have like the magnifying mirror and you're picking at the little zit that nobody would ever see. And you have one spot on your body that you, you don't think is perfect. So you're trying to cover it up and the outside world doesn't look at you that way. And I think that's something that we all need to accept as as truth. And I know it's really hard, but I think we all get caught up in these tiny little imperfections that that literally nobody else sees. Yeah, and that's where it comes back. It's like we rely on our everyone else in our life to tell us when like we're like expecting for them to tell us that you're enough and you're worthy without us believing that or knowing that ourselves. And when we are relying on everyone else to tell us that, we're never going to truly feel it because we don't believe it ourselves. And all those accomplishments are fleeting too, because I'm going to be happy when I get to a certain weight and you get there and then you eat a cheesecake. And if, if you're looking under a microscope, you'll never find that ultimate goal. I think that's a really big thing that Jen and I have talked a lot about on this podcast is if you're somebody that says, I'll be happy when, that when will likely never come because the goalposts always move. Right, right. So it's like, how, 
how can I still set goals for myself? How can I still be achieving the things that I want to achieve in this life while embodying the things that I initially thought those things were going to bring me? How can those, um, that's why I call it like body acceptance is, it's not, it's not saying, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to accept my body and like never, like I think a lot of people think acceptance as giving up. And it's not giving up. It's accepting where we're at right now, coming from a place of love, and then still setting those goals that we want to achieve for ourselves. But our success is no longer placed in the end result, but now it's placed in just starting or, you know, we can change the definition of success. And if we're placing success or happiness, whatever in the end result, you're right. Like it's always going to keep moving. And that's where I think like this perfectionistic mindset, is that a word perfectionistic? <laughs> we'll say it is. It is now. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Like that tendency to want to be perfect at everything. Like I don't think that we ever reach that. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, coming to a place of acceptance where we're at, loving ourselves regardless, letting ourselves be human, having compassion and curiosity for our lives, and still going after our goals, but knowing that we no longer have to prove ourselves to the external world, whether or not we're rejected or accepted, that says nothing about our worth because we so know it. Like We know it so much at the core that Whatever it is we do in life, whether or not we fail or succeed, it's just information at that point. It's no longer like bad or good or defining us as a human or 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 dictating our worth anymore. It's it's just information. And so that's I think when we can reach that point, life becomes, I don't want to say easier, but it becomes um it just becomes less like um exhausting. Yeah. If that makes sense. So to shift gears a little bit to diet culture in particular. So there's this concept of intuitive eating, which it seems like is super valuable, but then there's been this like backlash with talking about intuitive eating that like people think that you're just going to be eating cheeseburgers and fries all day. And I was wondering if you could just share from your perspective and experience what intuitive eating actually is and how to kind of cultivate a little bit more of that in one's life. Yes, yes. So (laughs) intuitive eating is essentially getting to this place of, and again, like we've, we've been taught to live so much in our minds and let our minds make the decision. And we've been, you know, wrapped up in what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating. And we have all of these bad and good labels on food. And so if you've engaged in any kind of body manipulation or like dieting or exercise to be smaller, and that was your total end goal, I'm sure you've participated in some sort of diet out there where it was labeling, this is a good food, this is a bad food, you can, you know, counting calories, counting macros, whatever it is, there was probably some sort of manipulation around what you should and shouldn't be eating. Intuitive eating is this other concept of letting your body decide what it wants in the moment and honoring that, that cue. And for some people who, I mean, that's like, we've been taught to completely ignore our body's cues. We've been taught that cravings are the devil. We've been taught that, you know, anything that comes from our bodies cannot be trusted. And so that's why we've gone into this more analytical mindset of food and exercise. And I got to follow this specific plan. So it's totally understandable that intuitive eating can feel scary when you first are introduced to it. It's like, what? (laughs) And that's why like I do the work I'm doing too, is to like get back into your body and learn how to trust your body again and come to this place of acceptance and where it's all coming from. But that's, you know, getting on a tangent there. (laughs) But intuitive eating is essentially that. So it's listening to your body's cues and honoring those cues. So for me, when I first started this journey of um, ending dieting, not um, restricting or manipulating my food anymore. Um, when you've done it for so many years and you finally like open the gates of like, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> it's really common, especially if you've been restricting your food to want to eat all the foods that you said you couldn't have. Because 
your, and there's just so many other layers too. Like if you're restricting to a point past where you're really restricting your calories for your specific body and your body needs a lot more calories, you're probably going to want more like sugar foods or more like fatty foods that will really bring up. There's just so many different pieces to like what your specific body will do when you do that. But it's essentially allowing yourself to eat what your body is asking for. And so Yes, over time, like is it okay if it's donuts? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's funny because a lot of people think, like Jen, like you said, like I'm just gonna want the things that I said I can't have 24-7. And it's probably going to happen for a bit. You're probably going to only want the things that you've been depriving yourself from for all of these years. And so it might be a donut every day or six donuts or whatever. But the goal is over time, your body, because like it blows my mind. This is where I get really like passionate. So excuse me. <laughs> like our bodies are so smart. They were designed to tell us what they need. You know, we for us women, like we can make a baby in our bodies without our brains telling that like what to do and without running the show. Like our bodies are so smart. And just creating that connection back with them where it's like, yeah, you tell me what you need. It, it, it craves things for a reason. And so it's just the whole process is about removing the shame around eating, allowing your body to find that natural rhythm again, and allowing it to tell you what it needs. And you will get to a point like, cause our bodies need nutritional, you know, food, right? Like it, we're, we're not going to want donuts and cheeseburgers and all of that every single day. So when we become more intuitive where we're starting to really paying attention, like really pay attention to what our bodies are asking for, you do want nutritionally dense foods. And then every once in a while, you do want a donut. It's just allowing yourself to have permission to eat what your body is asking for. And so essentially, that's what intuitive eating is. And there's there's a lot of really great resources. I can give you all of those too. There's a whole book on intuitive eating and a workbook that goes along with it and just some other good people on, on Instagram that talk a lot about intuitive eating um, if people are interested in, in reading more about it because it's a whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's just giving your body permission again. Do you think that that was a big part for your personal journey in recovery? Do you think that was a big part of it? And did that come, if so, did it come early on or later once you had done some of that preliminary thought work? Yeah. So that's a good question. And I've thought about this before. I, I did a, I think for me, what really flipped a switch and what I, I didn't know what intuitive eating was at this point in my life, but I did a long cross country bike trip back in when I was early twenties. And I was kind of in the thick of it where, um, I definitely was not at any point, you know, like healed from this. I was still very much in my disordered eating time, but I realized at that point that I could not physically ride my bike, the amount of miles that I needed to ride that day. If I was completely depleted on calories and food, if I didn't eat, I could not continue. And so that's when I really started to question this whole like fueling my body mentality and giving it what it needs to survive. And so I think that that point in my life is when I really started to question it. And then when I was really when I started, when I met my current boyfriend and we started like rock climbing and doing these more outdoor activities and I saw the way he <laughs> ate and it was very much like, like, give me what I need. and um I started like questioning my own thought process, like, oh, interesting. Maybe it is okay to have carbs during the week, or maybe it is okay to have pizza, or like, and I started just experimenting with allowing myself to have different types of foods that I told myself were bad or that I couldn't have. And like, I was fine, you know? And our bodies, it's again like all of, like, all of this work too comes with like, coming to this acceptance point of 
my body is going to do whatever it needs to do in order to, this is the whole other thing, like debunking what healthy means, because a lot of us has placed health in this bucket of a certain size, like this whole BMI scale, which I think is absolute. Don't even get me started on what I think about the BMI scale. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) we have bucketed health as a certain size for so long, but especially for us women, There are just so many other cues for us to tell us whether or not we are at a healthy point. You know, things like, are you getting your period? How is your hormone health and all of this kind of stuff? So your body at its healthiest might be at a larger or small, like you might not know where your healthy size is. And so being open to fluctuation of weight. And that's why I say it's so important to do the internal work as well, because if you're still placing your worth externally, you know, getting to your healthy size, and if it's larger than where you're at, that's, you're still going to have, you know, a lot of turmoil internally because you're still placing your worth in the external world and all of that kind of stuff. So did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I keep absolutely. getting excited about different <laughs> avenues here. <laughs> That's helpful. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about intuitive eating because I feel like it's not just what you eat. It's, it's when and how much. And so to me, intuitive mm. eating is, uh, has has really been almost attacked by how we live our modern lives, which is, you know, you need to have your, your breakfast before you get to work and then you have a certain time for lunch and then, um, you know, it's, it's family dinner at home. And really to me, intuitive eating is, is not eating when somebody tells you you need to eat. It's when your body mm. tells you you need to eat. And, and I know there are restrictions on that, but sometimes you want that like enormous lunch, but you're not really hungry at dinner. And I feel like, especially as we, as we become families and maybe as a woman, your husband, you know, you're 110 pounds and your husband is 200 pounds and he has an active job and you have a sedentary job. Um, and then, you know, you make your plates up at dinner and they look somewhat equal because you're supposed to have a, we're taught you're supposed to have this like balanced meal and it's dinner time. So it's time to eat. And to me, intuitive eating is, is more kind of like, what's your body telling you right now? How much food do you need? not what have you been taught a balanced meal is and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you want a donut for breakfast one morning, that's totally fine. But just, you know, don't don't feel like after you have the donut, you also have to have your bowl of cereal and, and everything else needs to stay the same. Yeah, I love this topic. Because again, like, and this is, this is why I get so excited, because intuitive eating and the work that I do with my client, it's such an individualized journey. And not every single person is going to have the same, like it's it's not going to be the same. And so it's really about under, like really learning like what works for me, right? And there's just so much information out there, which is amazing. Like we have access to all sorts of stuff. Like you need, you want to look something up on, you know, the nutritional, like you, you have access to everything. Like people are force feeding us information these days. And so the thing that I really try and teach people is like, how can you be the filter for your own life? Like, how can you consume information from outside sources and apply it to your own body, knowing that, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, cool. That didn't work. Even if it's someone like you need to be eating this, 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 and this, you know, we blindly follow thinking, oh, well, that's the new thing that I should be doing. So I got to do that. And it's like coming into, again, like coming back to your own body, taking in information and and filtering what works for you. Like if one day, and like just knowing that like no day has to look the same, especially with your food and exercise intake, you know, one day you may have a kick-ass workout and you might want to eat, you know, larger meals all day. And then the next day you're feeling exhausted. You might want to rest and maybe you're not as hungry. Or it's like, maybe you do have a larger dinner. You get overly full and you think, oh, okay, interesting. That might've been too much food, but that's okay. Like it's, it's just unconditional permission and unconditional or unconditional, like endless curiosity about what works for you and what doesn't and separating what you should be doing and it like lifting off these harsh rules that we've placed on ourselves and just allowing ourselves to experiment and know there is no right or wrong way. And, you know, we can design our day and design 
our intake based on how we're feeling in the moment. And that's why it's so important to get really in tune with your body again, really in tune with what your body is asking for and being able to act from that place. Because again, the end goal is to, we want to feel good. And so feeling good one day is going to look different than feeling good the next day. It's just all information and then deciphering like, okay, well, what do I want to do with that? What does that look like for me today? And just really becoming your own expert for yourself, for your body and not having to rely on anybody else to tell you what you need because you only you know that. (laughs) And again, that looks different for everybody. So it's really just making it super individualized and what works for you. It's such an important reminder to to just to take ownership of this for yourself and to and to really lean into that belief that you know better for you than anyone else can know for you because there are, like you said we have access to so much information we're being force fed information and the leading expert and nutritionist and dietitian for blah 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 says blah 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 and then you think you're supposed to follow that and do exactly what they're saying for you um so thanks for that reminder cuz you're totally spot on yeah i mean that goes for everything right like it, we've just become this world of It's like we don't trust ourselves anymore. We're all so afraid of the unknown. We're all so afraid of uncertainty and we don't trust ourselves to be able to figure it out. We haven't, it just goes to show, you know, the way that we're trying to manipulate our body. Like we just, there's a lack of trust for ourselves. And so it's like just really uncovering why that is and then remembering like, I know best and reinstilling that trust in ourselves and creating a new relationship with uncertainty and just really knowing that like I can handle anything. I, whatever outcome comes my way, I've got it. Like make it just like having a, um, a new relationship with yourself, like making that such a sacred thing. We spend so much time trying to, you know, help everybody else and make sure everyone else is okay. And we put ourselves on the back burner, but reconnecting with ourselves, reforming that relationship and learning how to trust ourselves again is only going to make all of this that much better because, like we do, we know best and we have to start believing that again. What would you say to someone that has always had kind of a negative body image from say in their, in their teens when they thought they were heavy and, and th- throughout their lives where they've maybe gotten heavier? What do you say to the person that's ha- had that, like that almost self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I- I'm always going to be heavy. That's just me. Hmm. I would say to explore that belief, right? So they're living from that belief of like, I'm, this is how I'm always going to be. Um, I, I'm not enough or whatever that, that deeper belief is. It's, it's starting to look at that. And again, like coming back to this whole topic of like, how do I want to feel? Sometimes we come into this um, place of like complacency or giving up on ourselves because we think that I'm not enough. So I might as well not even try. And it's really understanding like, where did that come from? Who told you that? Because that's not yours. It might feel true to you, but that's not your belief. That's not your truth. Someone else kind of influenced that throughout your life. Some There was some situation or something that happened along the way of your journey and you've adopted that as your truth. So it's really at that point starting to, it all comes back to self-awareness. So where is that coming from? Is this mine? And what's a new belief that I can start embodying and start believing now? And so something that I like to do is like, so say you have this belief of this is how I'm always going to be. I'm never enough. I'm never going to have enough whatever that is. If that's what you're deeply in like knowing and believing, like your that's where your brain is taking every like it, that's wired in you. So it's about unwiring and reforming a new belief. So I like to say this I like to fix put this phrase in front of the new belief. It's like I am in the process of knowing that I am enough. And and taping that everywhere, like putting that in your wallet, putting that on your mirror, make this I don't say we have to, we get to spend time with ourselves. So make this something that you do every single day. 
I am in the process of knowing that I am enough. What does that feel like? What does it feel like to be enough? And like stepping into that every single day and start like unpacking. This is not like, is this mine? Is this true? And if not, like what's going to better serve me? And just coming from this place of is, am I happy? Like, am I happy talking to myself this way? Is this what I really want for my life? And starting to, again, think about what does the best version of myself feel like? Are my decisions that I'm making in my day-to-day life getting me closer to the dreams that I'm after? Or is it pulling me farther and farther away because I'm choosing to fill up this belief bank, this negative belief bank with like all of the change that I have? It's like, are you filling that up constantly or are you choosing to start believing that you are your truth? I am enough. I can achieve these things. This is what I'm after. So it's just really starting to look at like, how am I talking to self, to myself? What beliefs am I choosing to believe on a daily basis? And how can I start making those small shifts to, you know, get to where it is that I, that I want to be. And that includes, you know, how are you talking to yourself? Which again, like notice what you're saying and then choose like, oh, that's not how I want to talk to myself. What's a better thought or a better thing that I can say to myself and choose to, again, let that negative thought go and start bringing in more of those positive thoughts. And again, that starts with that belief. It's like, really, it really starts there because that's, again, where everything comes from. I have one more question for you. Yes. So it's kind of along the same lines as what we've been discussing, but I feel like society teaches this concept of exceptionalism. And I think it goes both ways because that allows you to believe that that athlete or that intelligent person, they just have something that, that nobody else has or that I don't have. And then it also allows you to believe that I'm not capable of those things. And I'm someone that really believes that you're capable of almost anything you put your mind to in life. And so you know, I guess specifically we're talking about weight. So I've seen people that have been, you know, overweight and then decided they were going to get in shape and they've, they've tried maybe something quite specific or they've gone to the gym and done something quite specific. And it's like, oh, it, it, it doesn't work. It, it's not working and, and give up. Like I gave it a go. And I think at that point, it's impor- important to take other people's perspectives and kind of try to get rid of your own because they'll see capability in you that maybe you won't see in yourself, if that makes sense. And so it's important to not only have that plan A, but be open to the plan B, C, and D, if that's what you really want. And, you know, figuring out exactly what works for you. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Is there any advice that you'd give someone that was thinking that way? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I think too, we kind of get into this point of, I'm getting into like my coach mode. So I'm like, oh, but there could be so many different reasons to why someone doesn't believe that about themselves or why someone gives up so quickly. Um, it could be out of, you know, there's a fear of success or there's a, there's these fears that kind of stop them from reaching their full potential because they're afraid of what would happen if they reached it, or they're already giving up on themselves before they even try because they're so afraid of failure that I'm not even going to go there. And so it really is about uncovering. We need to stop pretend or not pretending, but like, I think so many of us play this role of like, I, I don't want to say victim, but like this poor me mentality of like, nothing's ever going to happen. I just like, well, poor me, like I suck, like I'm just not good at anything. And we kind of just hit this place of like, everyone's out to get me. And that mindset of I'm never going to do anything if everyone's, you know, I'm, everyone's going to break my trust or I'm not gonna be able to do that. And poor me, poor me, poor me. When we're living from that place, we're cutting, we're, we're so one track minded And we're so in our own, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but we're in our own shit. We're in our own (laughs) stuff that we're not looking at all of the other opportunities that are out there, you know, and maybe we tried something and it didn't work. And so we give up on it. But what if that thing 
wasn't supposed to work? What if there was something else that you were supposed to do that will get you to where you want to be? But because you were so focused on one thing and that one thing failed, then we give up on ourselves. Poor me, da, 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 da. So the thing that I like to look at, and I, you know, I always practice this. I've always kind of lived in that like poor me mentality. And so it's like shifting the mindset of like, what if everything was happening for you in perfect timing? What if you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now in this moment? And kind of looking at it from that way of, oh, okay, well, if you're like coming at it from that perspective, it's like, oh, that thing didn't work. That didn't work for for a specific reason. I don't know why yet, but I'm going to keep my eyes open because there's probably going to be other opportunities. And maybe the path that we thought we were going to take to reach our goals or reach our dreams, maybe that wasn't the path that we were supposed to take. So what if we then like, okay, that didn't work. What else is out there? And we opened up our mindset, opened up our viewpoint, like took a 180, 360, whatever (laughs) view on your life and just was open and coming at this from a place of like, yeah, I got this. I can do anything. Like I creating this new relationship with uncertainty and just knowing like, I'm going to handle whatever, whatever comes at me. So bring it. You then become open to different avenues, different paths to get to where you want to be. And so it's it's so much about mindset, so much about perspective and kind of taking yourself out of this like hole of poor me, nothing's going to happen. I'm stuck into oh okay, like that didn't work, but I'm still worthy. I'm still enough. Cool. Well, what else is out there for me? And then you might see something different. You might try something different. You might do, you know, does that make sense? It's like, it's totally yeah, about. No, absolutely. I feel like the easiest, sometimes the easiest excuse you can give yourself is almost martyring yourself to say, well, like, yeah, it's just, I'm not capable of that. So, oh, well, you know, exactly. Kind of poor me where, where no, it's like, have the plan A, but have the plan B, C and D as well. And if plan A doesn't work, then try something different. Don't give up. Right. And a lot of this, um, like poor me kind of mentality is is it's for, it's there for a reason. You, at some point in your life, like you've kind of adopted this poor me mentality to protect yourself in some way. So maybe it was protecting yourself from failure or being too successful or whatever. So that's become like a mechanism that you use when something gets challenging, when you're kind of about to break that ceiling or move into the next level or up level in your life, you resort back to that poor me mentality of like, I can't do it. Or, uh, this is not for me or, uh, poor me. I can't do it. (laughs) All of that. So it's easy to resort back to that. But once you have awareness that that's something you turn to, it's easy to catch yourself in that moment and say, oh, okay, no, something inside of me is trying to protect me from something. And then again, like you can go into all these levels of awareness and uncovering like, okay, how do I move forward now? Even though I'm afraid, or even though, you know, this thing didn't work and there's just, yeah, there's so many different layers to it, but it's about acknowledging the fact that that's something you easily turn to and switching that mindset to, Oh no, actually I've got this and there's more potential here. And, um, you know, we are so quick to destroy, but we also forget that we're creators. And so if we can just be step into that creator role of our life and think, oh, okay, how can I create this circumstance so that it's better serving for me um, and step into that role more, we just start to, uh, more and more opportunities start to uncover themselves and just life becomes a lot more fun because we're creating it instead of constantly destroying our dreams or constantly destroying, you know, the things that we want. And stepping into the creator is just more fun. <laughs> Sometimes it might be good to say your goals out loud too, because a lot of those excuses can be that, you know, you're so good at your job and, and the people at work need you so much that you need to put in the extra hours to make something happen. Or, you know, you have children or a husband and you don't want to disappoint them. So it's like, what, what are you working towards so other people around you can actually help you achieve those goals instead of being an excuse why you can't? Mm. Totally. I think that's really helpful. And then also speaking out your fears, getting to the end, like I said, at the end of the line, I could never possibly do that. Okay. Well, why? Well, because I'll fail. Okay. Well then what? Well, then I will be rejected. Okay. Then what will happen? It's like you keep going down the line. And so either you realize that that is never going to happen. Like the fear that you're so afraid of 
uh, so unlikely, or you realize like, okay, that's a potential, but I trust myself enough to be able to figure it out. So I'm going to move forward anyways, instead of like suppressing and ignoring and pushing away the things that we're afraid of, or the things that feel uncomfortable, play it out. Same thing with your goals. Like you said, like, what are your goals? And then now that you have like a clear view of like what you're afraid of and what you're after, you can move forward with the fear, knowing that like you're going to be okay. And sometimes the fear of staying the same is less than the fear of failing because you want to get to where you're at. So when it comes to that point, it's like, oh, I'm afraid, but I'm also so afraid of staying the same that I'm going to take that scary step anyways and just trust that I can figure it out. Totally. What you just said reminded me of something that I heard from Brooke Castillo, but it wasn't her idea originally. I can't remember the origin specifically, but essentially that like when you set a goal and then you identify all of these obstacles along the way, like a lot of people set the goal and they see all these obstacles. And like Christy was saying, that's a reason to not move forward. And Brooke is like, well, if you look at those obstacles and then you solve for each of the obstacles then all of a sudden you have your to-do list and essentially your roadmap to achieving your goals. And I think that that's such an interesting concept. Like those obstacles don't have to be permanent barriers that prevent you from getting where you're heading. They're just a part of the process of getting there. Totally. And and when you have a good sense of your self-worth and you know that like, okay, if I fail, fine. Again, it's just information. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just information. Then like we can still keep moving forward instead of letting that end result, good or bad, define whether or not we're a solid human being. That's so exhausting. And it's (laughs) so many of us do it. I've done it for so much of my life. And it's, I can tell you, like, it's so much better when you remove your end, your worth from the end goal and be able to just keep moving forward anyways, knowing that like, yeah, there's fear. Everyone has fear. There's no such thing as fearless. There is not. So if you're putting off doing something scary because you're waiting to be fearless, it's never going to happen. So it's all about acknowledging your fears, understanding like, like you said, Jen, like the different roadblocks, how you could potentially solve them and then move forward with the fear, like create a relationship with the fear, let it have a voice and then say, cool, thanks for showing up, but I'm going to move forward anyways. That's, there's just no such thing as fearless. <laughs> so don't wait for it because it's not going to come. <laughs> it might change over time, but it, there's no such thing as not having it. So true. Well, thank you, Steph, so much for all of your wisdom and insights that you've shared. Um, before we wrap up, we like to ask some kind of rapid fire questions. So to start out... Uh, where do you find your confidence? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say in the first, I'm just going to say the first thing that comes to mind. My podcast, honestly. Um, yeah. (laughs) Is it like one answer? Do you want me to expand? No, that's perfect. You can keep it as rapid or unrapid. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'll just say the podcast. And I think it's probably pretty easy to understand why, like, just being able to step into your, your power and share your truth. And yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Awesome. Where do you find yourself the most happy? Mm, Nature. That's an easy one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, finally, How do you find balance in your Mm. life? I think it's, for me, really stepping into asking myself what I need that day and really honoring what my body is asking for, regardless of what my mind is trying to tell me, and honoring that. I think that's one of the best answers we've ever had to that question. (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah. Awesome. laughs> no, it's huge yeah yeah I would say that's that's the the best way to, that I've found balance 
Very cool. Well, thank you, Steph. (laughs) And before we say our farewells, how can people follow along on your journey? How can they learn more about your coaching and all you have to offer in that regard? And where can they listen to your podcast? So yes, you can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram. So at Stephanie Dankelson is kind of my hub for everything. My podcast is called Move With Radiance. I recently started a page for her (laughs) at Move With Radiance on Instagram, but you can kind of get everything you need at, at my main handle. And I am releasing a free five-day challenge that is, it's called um, five days to help jumpstart your body acceptance journey. And it's essentially, I mean, a gold mine of tools, meditations, journal prompts, everything that you need to sort of assist you on this journey to body acceptance. Some of the stuff I work on with my clients, and it sort of sets that core foundation for all of this work and can help you assist alongside your intuitive eating journey. And if you're still feeling guilty around food and all of that kind of stuff, this just really takes it one layer deeper to really help you know and understand yourself and your behaviors and all of that good stuff so that we can start really moving forward on you know, creating that solid foundation. So I will make sure you guys have all the information on how people can get involved with that. But come find me on Instagram. Let me know that Jen and Christy sent you and um, I'm excited. Thank you, Steph. And we will be talking to you soon. Well, friends, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Balanced Pursuits podcast. One thing that Steph mentioned very early on in this interview was finding a way to treat yourself with compassion in the way that a mother would treat her child with compassion. And I think that it is such a valuable lesson and very much needed in this day and age. Everywhere we look, we are being bombarded with other people's values and opinions, telling us how we can do better and be better and do more and live more in this life. And sometimes we just need to take a step back and recognize that we are enough, we are worthy, we are complete, and we can be loved just as we are. We have linked up all of the resources that Steph mentioned in our show notes over at balancedpursuits.com. So come on over, say hello. We would love to hear from you. And thank you, as always, for joining us. And until next time, have a fantastic week. That's a wrap for this episode of the Balanced Pursuits podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, share, and give us a review on iTunes. Want to join the conversation? Connect with us at balancedpursuits.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Christy Luskinen and at Jen Hudak. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.